After watching the incredible peace agreements between Israel and the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain, we were reminded that the God of Israel is at work bringing about his purpose and his plan. And the last two programs of Bible in the News have been on this subject. And many Bible students have waited for this time of peace and prosperity for Israel that exists or is to exist prior to the northern invader descending on the Holy Land as outlined in Ezekiel 38. These events will be responded to from the God of Israel as he intervenes to save his people with the revealing of his son, the Jewish Messiah, to the world on the Mount of Olives, as we find in Zechariah 14 and verse 4. And while there may be a feeling of peace that comes on Israel prior to the Lord's return, it's the opposite for the nations in the world. What the Bible shows at the time of the end among the nations is a time of violence, uh, upheaval, and unrest. North of Israel and Turkey, Europe and Russia, some of the greatest upheavals will be seen as this resurgent Russia exerts herself and establishes one of the most fearful empires the world has ever seen under the leadership of a great man of pride. The territory of the empire will stretch from the Atlantic to the Pacific. This is understood to be the case from an, un- from, uh, f- from an understanding that Rosh, in Ezekiel 38, is Russia. And then this prophecy links to that of Daniel chapter 2 with the great image and the latter-day king of the north, in chapter 11. So when we put these together and we watch events in Russia and Europe, it's with great interest then that we watch and with great anticipation we did watch when Russia started to expand once again. And we say it's a resurgent Russia and that's Because it says in Ezekiel 38 that I will turn thee back. God says I will turn thee back and then bring bring you forth. So there is a turning back and a bringing forth. So with great anticipation and expectation, we wait. And when we saw Russia move into Georgia, over the Urals, it it was exciting. Because these are events that we've waited for. Then into Crimea, then into eastern Ukraine. And now we find ourselves with the conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan heating back up, which is maybe an understatement. It's almost outright war. Um, Russia, actually, and the United States and others called for a ceasefire, but it doesn't seem that uh, there's going to be much ceasefire there. And so it's turned to it's turned to outright fighting and loss of life. At what point this explodes more or dies down, we'll wait to see. This exploded before a number of years ago and then died off again, which is often the case in these situations. But also in 
nor uh, n- further to the north on Russia's border, western border, is Belarus. And they've experienced now almost, I think it's about nine weeks of protests against Alexander Lukashenko after the election there. And in both these places, it remains to be seen how much, and if so, when Russia will intervene. And ultimately, whether Russia sends forces into these areas remains to be seen. However, what is clear from Scripture is that one way or another, Russia will be moving west. It's just a matter of when. See, when we look at Ezekiel 38, and we quote it often often on this program because it is just such a cornerstone to uh, understand events today in our world, Ezekiel 38 is quite incredible with its lists of nations that are there, which you just need to update in today's language. And then the picture that we get with Russia coming down into Israel like a whirlwind. And it's out of the uttermost parts of the north is the RV in verse 15. And so we wait for this empire to set up. Rosh, which is Russia, if you look uh, it's it connects the easiest way there's you can look at it you know you can look up other manuscripts and books but one of the easiest ways is just to see in the septuagint because the word that is used for rosh in english we don't use it anymore but the septuagint being a greek translation goes back almost a couple thousand years and the word that is used in the septuagint for rosh is still in use today and has uh, and links with with uh, the people of the Rus or the Russians, and so we have this Gog of the land of Magog, the chief, uh, the prince, uh, the chief prince, or the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. And so it's there where we get that Russia is the one in ascendancy, led by this great man of pride, as we said. But you know, as as we say, Russia will be moving west. So when we come now and look at the world, what a world of uncertainty we live in. What a world of uncertainty. You know, we watch, many many people in the world actually watch China. You know, China is often the one that many are concerned about. And yet scripture is clear that we keep our eyes on Russia. And... When this upheaval comes and this empire comes into being and will be seen, what a time that will be. It will be frightening. It will be very frightening. So our world is is really not going to get a whole lot better anytime soon until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Unless you're in Israel and it seems that in, in, the, you know, in Israel there will be this sense of peace. And they'll actually remove bars, walls, and gates. So the fact that there is peace processes going on, at the same time things in the north are heating up, is exactly what we would expect prior to Ezekiel 38. But you know, what a world of uncertainty. And when, we, when I came to do Bible in the News this week, and I poured over the news, that was the one message that I felt loud and clear, is that we live in this world of uncertainty. Because... You can't turn on the news without missing the events that are going on in America. 
Many people see America, and I think rightly so, as the leader of the free world. And what a divided nation it is. And with the November election fast approaching, they often say they look for the October surprise prior to the election. Well, it seemed that it was going to be, it was, it was just prior to October. Maybe this would have ended up being the October surprise. The death of the Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, or as she's often referred to, RBG. And she died leaving her seat to be filled. And it's sort of like the uh, the high priest in the Old Testament. They were in until they died. And on the Supreme Court in the United States, you're in until you die or unless you, you can step down. And so it's, it's like that. So filling a Supreme Court justice, uh, a seat for one of the justices, is extremely important. There's only nine. And so Trump has already been able to fill two seats. And that's the same as the last about four presidents have managed to, in their terms, uh, fill two seats. Now, Trump in four years alone, not two, you know, not two terms, in, in, in one term has filled two. And now it looks possible that he will fill a third. Well, it is extremely divisive to, to America. And if this Amy Comey uh, Barrett is confirmed, do you know, it will be seven of the nine justices will be Roman Catholic. It's funny because, you know, when we look at these things, you think much of the world doesn't notice. But on this one, they actually are mentioning the fact that she's Roman Catholic, but only in a way to actually try and pull down um, Trump's choice. I don't think they actually care, in, uh, really. Well, they can't, because Joe Biden himself is Roman Catholic, so it's somewhat hypocritical to challenge it. But um, from a from a perspective of historical Protestantism, it is certainly uh, it is certainly of note, shall we say? And so Trump may end up being able to fill three of them, and but this is this is wildly divisive, and the Democrats are aware of their situation, and they will do almost anything to stop the president. In fact, they've decided that if if they get the presidency and Trump has put in Amy Comey Barrett, they may pack the Supreme Court, meaning add additional justices. So instead of nine, you could have 12 or whatever the, the, you know, the number would be. I assume they would give themselves enough that they could have a majority of Democratic judges on the court. But the result is this great added layer of contention. And then we had the debate, a presidential debate. Far from uplifting, you weren't going to learn a whole lot. Uh, but unless you paid attention to some of the things that were were said uh, through through some of the noise. But you know, many people were upset that the debate was so nasty. And I think the debate was nasty. And so is society nasty. And that is exactly what we would expect. You know, the leaders are a representation of the people. 
That's just often the case. And our societies now are far, have gone through such seismic change in the last number of years. Even, I'm not, I'm not that old, but even in the time that I've been around, it's, it is a dramatic change. And 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this, But know, but know uh, this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, without um, self, self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a power of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Do you know what's incredible about those verses? Those verses are actually describing the situation that would be in, within the congregation, Within the ecclesias, within within the you know the called out ones, it says they would be um, having a form of godliness. This isn't some godless situa- society that it's speaking about. This is within the within the congregation. So if that's the situation that will develop within the congregation or ecclesia. What would the situation be like in society that surrounds it? Well, we know what it's going to be. We know what it's going to be. And that is exactly what we find ourselves looking at. Such a degraded society on so many levels. Well, if that wasn't enough with Ruth Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying, Donald Trump goes and gets coronavirus uh, along with his wife. And we may not see the net result of this, but again, it has just brought out more contention. More contention. And this is all on the back of the, the, the country being rocked by riots. It may be the most powerful country in the world, but it is certainly fractured. And I want you to listen to the following uh, excerpt. It's from a gentleman by the name of uh, Douglas Murray. He's an author of The Strange Death of Europe. And he, uh, he, he, he did an interview, and I think that it's, uh, it's quite an incredible one when we look at um, the situation in America uh, today. And he has his interview with a gentleman by the name of James Dellingpole. Now, I've seen him before, but this was uh, a little bit different in in that he speaks of the situation in America, where often he is speaking of the situation in uh, in Europe. But um, here he is. Yeah, I think think America now has all of the bases set for civil war. It's in its earliest stages, if it doesn't draw back from the brink. And that's because as as an outsider and as a friend, supporter, lover, I'd even say, of America... This disturbs me very much, but here's the scenario. Uh, the country is now totally divided on its own nature and its on, on its own founding principles. 
And that is how you have a civil war. And it's how we had a civil war in the United or in England in the uh, in the 17th century, because there was a fundamental disagreement on these islands about the manner in which we were governed and the nature of the state. And America now finds itself in such a situation. It is facing a foundational question, which is they are divided on. A portion of the country likes what it has been, thinks it's broadly been a force for good in the world, reveres the Founding Fathers and the Constitution and would like to stick with this. Another portion of the country, again, you can, you can debate what the percentages are, believes that the country should be regarded as having been founded when the first slaves were brought to the continent, before the republic was uh, constituted, that the founding fathers were merely slave owners, that all the land is stolen, that Columbus would be much better if he hadn't have set out, and that everything since has been racism and evil. And this has been taught to two generations of Americans now, a lot of whom believe it. And if you don't think that anything in your past has been good, you don't have a future. You just don't have a future. There's no reason to have a future. There's no reason not to just burn the whole damn thing down. And that's what a portion of America is now trying to do. And I just wish that there was, you know, I always wish, like you, I mean, if you're interested in history or if you're a historian, you always wish that people know more history. These people should know a lot more history. I think that's quite an incredible it's quite an incredible observation of the situation in America that from an outsider's perspective you're actually looking in at almost a situation where it could develop into civil war. Now I am certainly not saying that America is going to develop into civil war. I have uh, no reason scripturally to say that that such a situation would develop. But there is without a doubt that is the level of which we're looking at events in America and in even in, I would say, b further afield the West. You know, through the uh, events of Brexit, it's a very divided situation in the, United, in the United Kingdom. In Canada, also quite divided, I would say not as much as America because they're in the middle of an election right now. But again, it's still very divided. And through all of this, in Israel, in the Holy Land, it is the festival of Yom Kippur, or as we would know it, the day of um, the feast of the feast of tabernacles or of booths. Let's just turn, if you've got your, if you've got a Bible nearby, you can look it up. Leviticus chapter 23, where we get under the, in the law, we get uh, it written here about the Feast of Tabernacles. Beautiful. Verse 39, also in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And ye shall take you on the first day of the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. 
It shall be a statute forever in your generations, and ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Ye shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. Absolutely gorgeous. Here it is. The nation is to build themselves booths, which is what they've done in Israel now. This week, they're dwelling in booths. And they can look up at the stars at night and think of the great promises made to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And specifically here, they're to remember that God saved them out of Egypt, and he will save them again. And he will save them again. In fact, it says in Jeremiah chapter 16 and verse 14, Therefore thus, uh, therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be said, The Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from the lands whither he had driven them. And I will bring them again unto their land that I gave unto their fathers. Quite incredible. God will be known not just as the God of the exodus from Egypt, but the God of the exodus from the nations as he's brought his people back from the four corners of the earth. He will be known as the God that has done this And we in our generation have witnessed it. Well, also, we mentioned Zechariah 14 before. But if we turn to Zechariah 14 again, it says, speaking of the time in verse 9, when the Lord shall be king over all the earth, in that day there shall be one Lord and his name one. In verse 16 it says, And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them there shall be no rain. So it it will be expected in the kingdom age, that nations will come up, the peoples of the world will come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Or as it's called in Hebrew, I think, Sukkot. Um, a Feast of Booths. It'll be a huge Bible school in Jerusalem every year at this time. Quite amazing. So while the world is going crazy, literally, the world is going crazy, And as Russia is going to look to at some point on, we would say on her time scale, but really on God's, Russia will look to expand. And yet Israel will go into a time of peace. It may not be a real peace because we know the northern invaders coming down, but it will feel quite incredible in Israel when they start to bring down the walls and the bars and the gates. And the world will go crazy and Israel will go into a time of peace until that northern invader comes down like a whirlwind to cover the land, as a cloud to cover the land. 
Well, in our day now, we have an opportunity still, and I speak to myself on this as well, we have an opportunity to examine ourselves and be different from this world, be like Christ, and try and take the time to amend our characters, which all of us have the same nature, so there's always room for improvement. And to take the time to understand God's Word, His prophecies, understand the times in which we live, because we live in very exciting times, albeit rather contentious times. But, you know, as Israel takes a break from the world and to live in a booth this week, we ourselves can lift our mind up to the stars to the promises that God gave thousands of years ago. And as he remembers those today, may we also be uplifted, realizing that he is in control. You know, whether America sinks, whether it holds on till, you know, till the end in some form, you know, the, the West has, it is, it is not all a rosy picture. Uh, for for the Western nations, whether that's Britain or wherever. They have not all been uh, squeaky clean as morally as, you know, as (laughs) they would be, you you would hope from Scripture. They've thrown the Bible out of societies and it has descended into what we have today. And so we're thankful that we have the vision we do and um, come back next week for another edition of the Bible in the News on BibleInTheNews.com Thanks, this was John Billington with you. Take care.